Welcome to another edition of Horrifying My Friends with me, Travis Ybarra. If you don't know me or if you're new to the podcast, you gotta know that I grew up a horror fan and love sharing my passion for the genre with my friends and family and turning them into horror fans too. If you're new to the podcast, each week I focus on one of my friends to watch a horror movie I carefully selected for them, then I bring them on to hear their thoughts and educate them where I can. I learn a lot along the way too. This week I'm joined by my buddy Josh Heath. He and I share a lot of interests, including, and not, but not limited to, metal, conspiracy theories, and fucked up stuff of all kinds. Anyway, before we bring Josh into the chat, I'll intro our movie of the day, which is Rob Zombie's 2013 film, The Lords of Salem. Let's get into it. And stay tuned for after uh, the recording of Josh's episode, because we will talk about what we've been watching and some of the horror-related, horror-adjacent stuff that we've been checking out. <laughs> so... This episode, we are brought, we are joined by my friend Joshua Heath, and uh, I thought The Lords of Salem would be a good movie for you because of the whole record, uh, you know, making people do things and kind right. of evil record. But uh, what were your first kind of impressions of the movie? Directed by Rob Zombie, by the way. Yeah, well, well it's funny you mention that because halfway through, I looked at you and I said I, I finally picked up on the whole record theme of things and how, mm-hmm. you know... As somebody like from Rob Zombie's perspective, as a guy who, you know, is from the shock rock world and imagery and all all of that, it kind of makes sense to you know bring into play the aspect of music having a big influence on people, especially the record uh, side of it. You know, in the '70s when they would spin records backward and it would, uh, you know, satanic uh, messages and stuff like that. Interesting. So. <laughs> yeah, that's a cool point. Yeah. I want to know, uh, Trav, when did you first see this? So I saw this movie, I think it was like 2013 when this movie was released, and, but we went to like a one night premiere, I think it was just me actually, I don't know if Rose went or not, and the weird thing about this movie is that the first time I saw it, I like thought that Zombie kind of missed the mark, mm-hmm. like I didn't dig it really, I dug some of the stuff about it, but I got it, it got like way too weird for me, like towards the end with all the babies and shit like that, Yeah, like not that it, the babies like freaked me out, but. I was the babies like, freaked me out. Really? I was like, all right. As a he, mother of a baby, it freaked me out. I thought he like jumped the shark a little bit. I was like, all right. Like he threw a bunch of shit in there. But as I watch it more, like I like it more. It's kind of weird. Well, the whole thing about Rob Zombie movies, if you've followed his, you know, cinematic, you know, history, I guess, if you want. Yeah. And it's like everything's just kind of abstract, whether you want to go back to House of a Thousand Corpses yeah. or anything. But like, you know, people can make up their own like assumptions of what happens at the end of the movie and i know we'll get into that probably later but yeah you you can come up with your own and i know we already touched on it earlier and i kind of brought up a point that you found interesting so oh yeah absolutely uh but 
I guess this would be the right time to get into like the one of the things that I caught thought was cool about this movie is I think this movie does stand apart a little bit from his other stuff. Katie, had you seen any of his other stuff? Like Devil's Rejects, any of that stuff? No. So Devil's Rejects, House with Thousand Corpse, I know you have Three from Hell. Mm-hmm. It's all like real world stuff for the most part, right. like hillbilly kind of stuff that kind of gets thrown around a lot. Like, you know, all these characters are cussing and all this other shit. It's a totally different style of horror than this. Mm-hmm. Whereas like that kind of threw me a little bit and I appreciated that because it's like I've wrote down here some of the influences of this is obviously like Rosemary's Baby by Polanski, mm-hmm. Kubrick from The Shining, you know, Argento. We covered Suspiria last week. I saw a lot of that in this. Um, I guess I'm in like a huge witchy mood. I, I don't know why I chose this, but it was like, fuck, I'm glad I did. But like, I really respected that in this movie, the zombie like kind of switched his way of scaring too, because it's kind of a slow mm-hmm. burn at times as well. Whether like the ending of the movie, um, obviously a lot of people would assume that she was giving birth to mm-hmm. the Antichrist, right? Mm-hmm. But then at the end, there's kind of like an image of her as which seems to be non-evil, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which, like, which she's not, like, the bright light of the shining, you know, is shining on her and her eyes are completely white. It's almost like a holy figure, and, you know, I don't know, it was just a weird way of... It, it, people could perceive that differently, I guess. Mm-hmm. So we can get into the ending of the movie. So what did yeah. you... How did you take that whole thing as, like, the... You know, the theater, all that other stuff? Because there are two thoughts, like, well, there are more than two thoughts, probably, but I know, like, one of the main theories is that, like, uh, maybe, like, I know, uh, I, I listened to, like, a few pods earlier this week, and they were, like, and read a few articles, and they were, like, did any of it happen, or did, like, you know, the, like you said, it's kind of left up in their interpretation, yeah. it's, like. See, and Rob always does that, though, like, yeah. that's, it's always, even Three from Hell, the ending was kind of. You know, left up in the air, like you know, what happens after they, you know, run, you know, run away. Spoiler mm-hmm. alert, but mm-hmm. you know, that's you know, kind of the perception, and it's up to you. But I kind of took it as it was just weird that everybody in there dies after the birth of the Antichrist or mm-hmm. whatever that may be, and that the whole thing that I found that was also weird about it was like that shining light. It almost seemed like it was like a turn of events, and like maybe she was actually more good than it was evil you know what i'm saying because Mm -hmm. it wiped out you know the evil you know the witches i guess um entirely so but maybe that was also the plan of you know the prophecy coming to the witches yeah Yeah. but yeah that's that's the weird thing too though is like we could go on and on about and that's the cool thing about rob zombie movies you could talk all day about Mm -hmm. you know life and death is all perception in the case of his movies right Mm -hmm. so it's just fun that that's what makes these movies fun is that you know you and i could have a different perspective on you know what that is like i i just want to hear your thoughts on you know what you kind of perceive that as so the the scenes that like really really hit me the second and third time because i watched this like last night again too Mm -hmm. like first of all the scene where she walks in and the cross is on the wall and the bigfoot devils like in the fucking background like I, I don't know what that's supposed to be or if that's supposed to be the devil mm-hmm. and then the you know he's coming up and the guys are like have tridents and shit which is like you know wiccan wiccan symbology and all this mm-hmm. other shit but then that towards the end like the other um i know listening back to the commentary zombie describes it as like the uh what how did he put it 
it was like the turkey devil or like overcooked turkey devil or some <laughs> shit. But it was like such an odd choice to make the devil look like that. Which I don't even know if it's supposed to be the devil. Like yeah. a I thought it was just a lot of different demons. Yeah, probably movie. see, probably. That was- that was kind of well see that was one of the critiques i had and katie brought brings up a good point is you know at the end they show all those you know images and one of them is obviously the devil Uh i guess he stands out amongst them you know the horns and he's you know red and everything Uh so it was just kind of hard to pick up on like if he was trying to get out there what he wanted the devil to look like (laughs) or if he was just like you know what there's just a bunch of demons we're not going to show the big guy and i think that that's one of the criticisms i had early on was that like um and i don't know if i've like become more accepting as a like a uh, a film watcher or whatever or i just like uh i'm just like you know whatever like not everything has to make sense to me but the one of the first things i really got hung up on the first time i saw it was that kind of that point of like I don't really know what he was going for. Mm-hmm. He threw a lot out there. Like you guys were saying, like uh, multiple demons or whatever. There's witches. There's the Rosemary Baby Pot. Like who are the dudes in the masks? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who are any of those guys? Like, yeah, the the relationship with Whitey, like her drug problem. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's all connected, but it is a lot you know, to throw in. Yeah. Like the messengers portion, like. I thought that they just kind of, I perceived that as like messengers from, you know, hell, obviously Uh that were, and then the point or the other weird thing was when she goes into room number five where, and walks up that cathedral stairs and grabs a hold of, what are those, like the umbilical cords? Yeah. And Mozart's playing. Yeah. Is that just like her being transferred the seed of the Antichrist? Is that what you guys perceived? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was like. That was a Some chilling scene. Trippy, weird way of him impregnating her. Yeah, That's and then there's the it. following scene where he like walks up to their bed and it's like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I laughed so hard. <laughs> well, there were there were two scenes that I thought were very chilling and were both of my favorite scenes, and I wrote it down in my notes. And that's when she first walks in there, and it's all illuminated in red. Yeah, the, and, the, and she just stands in front of the cross. Yeah. I was hoping, you know, it turned upside down as like a chilling factor, like <laughs> oh, a Slayer yeah, show. Yeah. But yeah, that was that was I thought that was when the movie really started to pick up. Uh-huh. Because there for a little bit it was kind of like I was kinda of confused and then I started at that point I think I really started to see what was going on. Mm-hmm. Do you think that was a choice by Rob Zombie to like not have any backstory. I know. You, I think during the while we were watching the movie, Josh said something like, "There's no backstory on anything," and I think it. Yeah. I kind of got the sense that it was intentional. Like you're kind of you're as confused as the main character is mm-hmm. the whole time. Like you. That's a good point. You can't kind of get ahead the same way she can't get ahead. Kind of like in like a like we talked about last week, like it's a Suspiria kind of thing. It's like all this crazy shit's happening, and the main character doesn't really know. Like, and kind of like Rosemary's Baby as well. Like, uh, but yeah, no, that's a good point though. It, um, I actually wanted to get into one of the other criticisms that I had, and I wanted to see what you guys thought about it. Mm-hmm. So I've long said that this movie would be like probably like I like the movie. Don't get me wrong. I think. I think at times Sherry Moon is like a big problem in this movie. <laughs> and I like seriously. And I think if he were to cast he if he would have casted like like I got um what's the chick from Black Swan? I got Black Swan on the mind. Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman and I got yeah. Team Sleep on the mind too. 
But if uh, he were to cast it like like say Matt Natalie Portman in this role, mm-hmm. I think this movie easily like jumps up to like you know top fifteen in the last like decade horror movies. But it's like it's little stuff from her that I just like don't buy in the movie. Like I, I don't know, man. I disagree. Like I, I thought it was you, one of her best performances that really? she's been in one of them. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the reason I think that was because I think she brought that level of um, I don't know if you want to call it psychosis or okay. where she was basically going somewhat insane due to everything that was happening you know to her and you know then she relapses on drugs and everything and i thought it was one of her best portrayals that i've seen just because i thought that she kind of made it seem realistic that she was going completely insane um and you know going back to what katie said like i think while you're confused i think that was might have been rob's point is to Mm -hmm. make you feel as you know, distant from reality as the main character mm-hmm. of the entire story. So interesting. I thought she did a really good job portraying that. So I thought it was one of her better roles. Uh, I don't know anything about her. I, I've never seen her. In a well, movie. she gets a lot of criticism. Um, oh, yeah. But there were several scenes in this movie where, like, she was delivering lines, and I said in my head, I was like, "This sounds like a porno." Like it sounds <laughs> like I don't know. It maybe not. It's the speaking scenes, mm-hmm. I think, that were a problem for me. Like, mm-hmm. the rest of it, I felt she acted pretty well, but she just doesn't have, like, a genuine delivery of her lines. Yeah, she has, like, a problem delivering... Yeah, I agree. She has a problem delivering lines at times. It's like she, sure. she's like, I'm reading this. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, oh, hey, are you new? <laughs> well, that's what... That's, just that's what a lot of people say is, you know... And I, you can't blame Rob for not casting his wife in his movies because I guess that would be a bad look for him from his wife's perspective. It but, would be, but I'm like, man, like at some point, it's like, dude, just like you know, leave her, out, put her in a little part or something. But the thing is, is that he's always done stuff the way he wants to do them, and he doesn't oh, yeah, really care sure. what people for think sure. either. And like, I think she gets a bad rap. I think she's decent. I think she's, she's yeah, she's passable for I, sure. I think she's you know, good at what she does. And I think, you know, that close relationship that she might have with Rob can mm. actually kind of be, you know, benefit to, you know, the movie. And I think a lot of people that critique stuff, not everything has to be perfect. Not everybody's going to be Meryl Streep. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And especially in horror movies, all it takes is to make you like feel something. And that's with any piece of art, right? Is mm-hmm. to feel something. And I think in this movie, you really kind of get that sense of, you know, this person's mind is completely deteriorating at the expense of you know witchcraft so that is a great point because like uh one of the things that i wrote down as well is like this i feel like um whereas like in house of a thousand corpses and stuff you don't really don't like uh in in the halloweens i'll even throw those in there because i i'm not like a huge fan of his halloweens like sympathetic characters i feel like he actually like tries in this one at least like her and whitey's relationship slash like friendship mm-hmm. I felt like was like pretty genuine. Like I, I did like feel that, you know, he actually cared about her and I liked Ken Foray's character as well. And like, I think that could have used more development, mm-hmm. that whole relationship between them two. I mean, the only thing that you know at the beginning is that they co-host a radio show together. Right. Mm-hmm. And you never really, and she'll never even, you, she never even said, I mean, she leaves it up, you know, obviously she is in love with him, but she doesn't say anything. Mm-hmm. And there's really no backstory to their relationship and i thought that could have been built more and that was another criticism or piece of you know criticism that i have for 
you know, the movie, so. Yeah, I, I felt kind of apathetic about him and her saying mm-hmm. hi at the end. Like, I was like, they don't really have that close of a relationship that I could tell. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't give a shit that he had his heart broken. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, you're, yeah. like, you're at that point when he's standing on the pier and he's talking to her, I'm just like, okay. Well, and I'm like, yeah, did she remember not... any of that? Or, like, did he remember yeah. get put to sleep by those fucking demons? Or Well, yeah, it's just like... And that's a big point, like, or a good point, too, is, like, you never find out what happened. She just says goodbye at the end, right? Before she walks <laughs> yeah. into that. She says bye. Oh, bye. It's not even a goodbye. It's just bye. Which I was about to laugh was, on that delivery like, as well. Bye. Bye. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> it's just like this. How are we supposed to care about this guy's character? And that was a big part of it too like the entire time i'm like is he friend zoned is he Uh is he just like are are they actually in love but they just don't say that they are like she tells him to go sleep on the couch and stuff like that Uh at her apartment or whatever and that was just kind of confusing to me and like i just i didn't feel any like attachment to you know whitey's character in the movie that's fair that's fair so um another thing i wanted to get into were the three witches and the main witch, the Margaret Morgan, and then the three witches, Judy Geeson, Patricia Quinn, and, uh, shit, what was the other name? Well, Patricia Quinn, I wanted to point out, is, uh, what's her name from Rocky Horror Picture Show? Um, Which character? Uh, she's a black, she's the black haired, curly haired character. Like uh, the red and black hair. Uh, magenta? Yeah, she's Magenta oh. in Red Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um, damn it, what was it? Uh, D. Wallace was the third one. She was in Halloween and all that bunch of sad stuff. But I really, really dug their characters in this movie. Yeah, those were uh, those were some other highlights for me too. That they had some really eerie, you know, eerie moments in that movie that really kind of stood out. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they really brought that. I didn't even kind of take this as a horror movie, really. Mm-hmm. Like it's. In my mind, it was more so of a thriller, but it had horror aspects to it. Like psychological stuff. Yeah, um, but I thought they kind of brought that horror aspect to the movie, Mm -hmm. like that really creepy, you know, atmosphere. Mm -hmm. So I I like that portion too. They were in my favorite scene. My favorite scene was the one with them at the table with the, what's his name? Uh, Bruce Davidson was the uh, actor. What was his damn name? I don't remember, but the guy that yeah. works at the museum. Yeah, the like, dude that yeah, figures them <laughs> the out. The scene at the table where like they've lulled him into a sense of security, and he's laughing, and she's like, "I'm not laughing." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I don't know. I just that was, uh, I think the best, some of the best acting. That in the, that scene was really movie. fucking tight. What and did you guys? Oh, go ahead, Travis. Go ahead, man. I was just gonna ask, what did you guys think about the scene where they uh, are laying on the staircase while Whitey tries to get to her, get to Heidi? It was just kind of weird that they let him up there just to tell him to leave mm-hmm. and it was kind of weird that he left yeah I thought. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he if he loved her like, so no, much that, that i think a part of them they were kind of like all right give her a chance to like mm-hmm. say i don't know give her a chance to kind of have a last moment with him or i don't mm-hmm. know i feel like they would kind of that's a let good her point. have that yeah because that's why she asked maybe that's why she asked if she loved him mm-hmm. right because she asked her, are you you're in love? Mm-hmm. And she doesn't say anything, but it's obvious that she yeah. is. I mean, because they know what's about to happen. And they're like, all right, get rid of this. Throw her a bone. For sure. 
Yeah, but it, yeah, that's a good point, Travis. It's just like he, she was like, "Let's go," and he was like, "Okay." Yeah, I was like, "Do they influence him?" Or yeah. like, you know, which I guess he could get away with, like you know, saying that they. Well, if you think about it from his perspective, his character's perfect perspective, he thinks she's just high, back like she's drugs, yeah. she's back mm-hmm. on drugs, and he like he knows that she has a good relationship with her landlord or whatever that mm-hmm. woman is um and so he's probably like oh she like she has seen this before she's seen her relapse like she's part she's on my team she's on our team like she the, she like, must she, yeah she it, must so. love her too like she knows that this is the right thing because he said he wasn't remember when he was on the call he's like mm-hmm. I know I wasn't there last, like the last time this happened. I, but I'm here now, so he doesn't know what this is like, mm-hmm. and what the right thing to do is with somebody who's relapsed. You know, if that were the actual case. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when she kind of ushers him away, he's like, "Okay, this must be what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to give her space or something like that." Mm-hmm. I don't know. I kind of got that. That made sense to me. That the way that scene was. Do you guys think they could have went more into a background of her past use of drugs to make it more, um, you know, that much more meaningful that in, throughout the story, like when she does relapse? See, I like I I, I took like the uh, they dropped like little hints and stuff. Of course, mm-hmm. like the Ken Foray's character, like the way that he was like looking around and stuff when she was late, or like um, like that one time she yeah. showed up late. They went. She went to it. What I presume was like an NA meeting or something mm-hmm. too, like so you know it's a thing, but you don't know the extent to of her past. Yeah, but I think if they had started building the characters too much like that, I don't know, maybe would have been a three-hour movie. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things that I, um, my two of my favorite scenes, like I said, were the the Bigfoot devil and the fucking turkey devil. The other parts that I thought that the reason why I picked this movie were was one the music connection, two the back in the day sixteen hundreds witch scenes with Meg Foster playing the Margaret Morgan character, and all that stuff, which I thought was I was like, dude, Josh is gonna love that shit where she's licking the baby and like all this other shit, so metal, <laughs> like the goat fucking, and I was like, Jesus, Josh is gonna love this part. But what did you think about some of those scenes, like the? Oh, they were horrifying. The the yeah. ones, um, specifically at the beginning where they're doing the ritual, uh-huh. uh, very gruesome and very uncomfortable for sure. So, yeah, I I thought that if his goal was to make you feel uncomfortable and to make you uh, you know, nervous, then I think he did a pretty good job with that. Well, like abusing little babies and like little kids is like part of the. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the occult. occult. Um, so I expected it, but I'm the only one here with a baby, mm-hmm. and it's like I have all I've seen lots of horror movies before I had a, a child, mm-hmm. and like the like scenes with little kids or little babies stuff never really bothered me. But now that I have one, it like it makes me cringe. I mm-hmm. can't even watch it. I close my eyes. <laughs> yeah, that, that it always makes it really uncomfortable when there's something like that. Especially like I don't know if you like obviously like in pet cemetery. Oh yeah, those scenes Gage. are really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah, those are always you know if your goal is to make the audience feel uncomfortable, then 
Yeah, that's that'll kind probably of the get the worst job thing done. you can do. Yeah, right. Uh, especially with the, if he was aiming to also offend, <laughs> I think he did oh, a pretty yeah. good job because that was like double offensive. It was also religious offense, and it was also offense against against people who, you know, are pretty much against those kind of scenes in movies, which is understandable. Yeah, I want to say I saw. I was telling Rose this last night, but um, I want to say I saw this in AMC Seventeen, I think, out in Greenwood. And uh, for some reason, there was like a couple old couples in there, like in front of me. Mm-hmm. And like when shit like that started to happen, like the I remember, like I heard a couple gasps and shit when she licked the baby. And then I think they made it to the priest, like where he's like, <laughs> with that scene where she he like puts his arm around her and she like starts giving him head and stuff. And I think like the two couples got up and left, which I thought was <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, that that scene in particular was also just like once he started like when he put his arm on her, I was like, I can kind of it makes you uncomfortable. He, as yeah, fuck, you're dude. just really uncomfortable. But yeah, I can I can see people walking out of that movie. Oh yeah, in particular, like it's almost a cardinal sin to even put scenes like like the baby scene in there or like. Um, yeah, stuff like that. It's all, it's like a, a cardinal sin to a lot of people, which, like I said, is understandable that those kind of things are like, you know, super, super like touchy subjects. Trav, do you remember how this movie was like advertised? I didn't, I, I saw Salem, I assumed witches, but like. Like the trailers and stuff? Yeah, like I'm wondering if people kind of could have expected that and they went in anyway and then got mad. <laughs> and left or yeah. was it kind of, was it a little more ambiguous see i'm not sure like uh, yeah i'm not sure what those older people were doing there really because you see rob zombie attached to it you know it's going to be fucked up in some way but i yeah i don't know um i didn't necessarily think that they would be like killing babies and shit so that was like oh like like you said every time you see a baby like on screen like getting licked and stuff that's like Oh, yeah you're like how did that even how's that even allowed <laughs> yeah. like how did that pass the r rating which like you said like um earlier like zombie really didn't give a fuck about that kind of stuff mm-hmm. like a lot of these i think like i saw jason blum as a producer on there but blum probably gave him his money and then like or gave him some money to make the movie and then you know rob probably did what he wanted to do with it like yeah just the... exactly and if people have seen three from hell the scene near the beginning where you know sherry moon zombie's character is chasing you know, the wife throughout Mm -hmm. the neighborhood and she's just, and finally catches her in the front yard. I don't want to spoil it for people, but Mm -hmm. yeah, like that was how that passes in our rating is, you know, crazy, right? Yeah, no, for sure. Some of the stuff he gets away with is pretty wild. And that's because he's like, he's not leading, but a lot of these guys are going on like the self-financing kind of shit. Like I think the, uh, his movie, the 31, I think he kickstarted or, or something or one of those. Right, like other, yeah, he did. Yeah, it was, it was like, like he made it for dirt cheap so he could do whatever the fuck he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So where would this, like as far as his filmography and stuff, where would this rank for you? Like as far as his movies go? Well, obviously they're all, it, it's behind the trilogy, I guess, if you want to call it that. Okay. House of a Thousand Corpses, The Devil's Rejects, and Three from Hell. So I guess I would, and I don't know if the Halloweens were just kind of a tragedy. Right, in the eyes of a lot of <laughs> yeah. people. I mean, I like the first one uh, to a degree. The second one I thought was pretty awful. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, I'd say it's probably right after the, the you know the trilogy of those. Okay. So, so I would put this movie like second, I think, 
or third, probably third. I'd put like Devil's Rejects and House of a Thousand Cores. But I, I thought it was a really solid movie from him, man. That showed, like, I think Zombie is, like I said, Zombie is like a talented visual guy, like no doubt. Like he 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 conjures up some fucking creepy looking shit. Yeah. But the the Sherry Moon stuff, I think he could do. You know, no offense, to Sherry Moon. I think it would be like it would elevate the movie and the script thing. I always thought he had a problem with too. Um, just what do you mean? Like, uh, well, the script thing. I would say like uh, like you guys were saying like backstory stuff like that, character development. Uh, he has like cool. Id- I think he's a cool idea guy, but I don't think like some of the dialogue here and there, like I don't think really works either. Uh, for me, um, I'm trying to think of an example, like, like you, to the point where she just says "bye." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like bye. Some of it feels like very like juvenile kind of stuff. Yeah, like, or, you know, like um, it sounds like you kind of have a similar opinion to mine, where Rob has these great ideas, but maybe he needs somebody, another visionary, to come step in with him that can help bring those to life and maybe a better way and actually somebody that can not to say that all of his dialogue is bad, but somebody that can actually, you know, help with those. Yeah. It's uh, kind of like, like, like a better up, partner. You brought up like Halloween and that, I feel like that's a good example of like him being um, like um, wanting to be a hundred percent Rob and not having somebody be like, should we really have Michael Myers mother as a drug addict? And he has a abusive stepdad, you know, and like, uh, it's like, do we really want to make his family like, like, um, I guess like, like a white trash kind of thing. And it's like, do we really need that kind of stuff? And to have, um, like creating his backstory in general, it's like, you know, you can argue all day whether that character needs that backstory and if that right. makes him less scary. Well, obviously you know more about, you know, the horror genre than I do, but I just kind of feel like he either overthinks things or he doesn't give them enough attention in some aspects and i i said i like the movie so now it sounds like i I completely hate it but my point is that there are some like it's a good movie a good horror Mm -hmm. movie horror thriller whatever you want to call it but with some little tweaks and better dialogue and maybe some a little bit better acting here and there and some backstory Mm -hmm. it could have been great like that could have been like a classic Mm-hmm. It, it had a cool idea it was like a different take like you said on Rosemary's Baby which most people that like horror movies have seen mm-hmm. but it's also the aspect that you know he has these ideas like I just said but he just, it's just some of the, sometimes they're just not brought to life like I'd like them to be you know what I mean I'm glad you brought that up because the um, one of the things that I discovered researching this a little bit like I remembered seeing it when it came out but I never checked it out there's actually a novel written by Zombie, and uh, I think they brought in another writer. I think his name's B.K. Evanson to like work on the script a little bit. But basically, like the script was like a lot different um, when he started shooting, and they had to of course cut some stuff. But the but the novel apparently, and I think you can get it at like Barnes and Noble and shit. I was probably gonna go check it out. But the novel like fills in some spaces. Like I think it starts in the 1600s and like um, follows like Sid Haig and stuff was supposed to be in it. Like as like one of uh, Hawthorne's like other guys or like enforcers or something. He's trying to figure out where the witches are and like 
apparently it was like a different movie that they had planned like a lot of a lot of you know um a lot more added to it and shit which i was like man that'd be kind of cool checking out yeah like another writer like you said coming in and looking at zombie script and like okay so what we sh- what should we add here like uh, exactly. what are some things we should take out but yeah yeah if he had a fucking another like writer coming into a pacifist stuff man he could be like really fucking good see these concepts are really cool and they're good but like we keep saying they just like if they had that extra boost maybe they could be you know some of these classics that you know we hear about you know who's to say it could have been couldn't have been a rosemary's baby does he not like working with other writers? Do does he have like a reputation? For... I think he likes doing his own thing, like kind of thing. Like um, he's like an artist kind of thing. So it's like um, written a, a directed. Lot of, a lot of pride of ownership. Yeah, and it's like I can understand that because he wants to do his own, you know, gig thing. But um, I guess the only way I could describe it is somebody that's you know really a music buff. Mm-hmm. He has a very punk rock attitude when it comes to even movies and music. Like he just does mm-hmm. his own thing. Even if you go back to his White Zombie days. Oh, you yeah. know, I've heard interviews of people saying, or from him saying, you know, everybody was like, this sucks. And, mm-hmm. you know, they were one of the last bands from that New York area that he was in to, like, get signed. I think they yeah. ended up on, like, Geffen Records or something like that. And He said no to, like, Columbia He said no to a lot, yeah. Like... like, a bunch of them. So, like, he just had this, has this attitude where he's just, like, if you tell him to do something, he'll probably just do the exact opposite. Yeah. Just, well, it's a rebel. Mm-hmm. But, and um, sometimes it comes back to Biden. And w- another idea that I read that the novel further goes into was when she plays the record, it shows all these women like across the like the you know the city there, the town. They're like working in restaurants and all this other shit. Well, apparently, like when they play the record in the book, like they like pick up knives and start killing and like all this other shit. I was like, man, that would have been fucking killer. Like I don't know why you know how he couldn't have done that or like why he didn't mm-hmm. do that, but. Yeah, can we go back to the uh, you know the record and the music influence oh, yeah. on that? Yeah, absolutely. That was the one thing that I, throughout the entire movie, all I kept going back to and thinking about was, it's so like from, and I, I like to think of it as like this, you know, think about all the times in history where music has been blamed for anything, mm-hmm. in particular Marilyn Manson, Alice Cooper, Kiss. Led Zeppelin, mm-hmm. specifically, messages delivered via music, mm-hmm. and I thought that was an interesting perspective since he himself is a musician, and you know his image can be quite shocking to some people, mm-hmm. even though it is quite tame compared to other artists. That's a great fucking point, dude. So that's why but, I had you on this episode. <laughs> yeah, so that's the thing. Like, I took it as he kind of used it as a satire, as like in this world, music is having. A negative influence it's, on it's people like doing what everyone used to say oh, yeah it's, other it's actually <laughs> yeah it's actually doing what people accused music of doing and turning people into these satanic murderers that's pretty profound dude like I, I, i'm gonna be honest i, I didn't even think of, i didn't even think about that though like i didn't see that's like uh that's your music history fucking mind going at it. And I'm like, I didn't even go there. But see, the like, one thing that stood out to me as to why that hit my mind, because obviously this movie takes place in modern day. Mm-hmm. That guy's researching on a MacBook. But them mm-hmm. as DJs, they're still spinning vinyl. Mm-hmm. Right? What did pastors and priests do 
in the 70s to convince parents to let their kids not or to make sure their kids don't listen to rock music and that was play records and Mm -hmm. spin them backwards backwards. or do that and that's that's what stood out to me like if it's modern day they could have just used i was gonna go diddle kids (laughs) that was where we're going i was like wait a minute here we go no and they were like the computer aspect of things like so it just was interesting interesting that they were using a record to play the music in this and then you had the the black metal musician that was there too like that part too that part was i want that band to actually exist and shit there's plenty of them. Yeah. Okay, you just got to go to Norway. But um, <laughs> yeah, that, that stood up. And that's what triggered that in my mind was the whole vinyl portion of it and how records were always used to... Supposedly, they were sending these subliminal messages. And it turns out in this film that they were actually you know, sending messages out to the masses. But... That's a great fucking point, dude. We're all in Katie's. shock. <laughs> Katie's on the No, end. I was just... <laughs> my point was it's it's obviously... They're a rock station. They were playing some pretty mild stuff. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they would play this multiple times and promote a show by this band just seemed really strange. Because yeah, the, cause be. the men weren't affected by it the way mm-hmm. the women were. So, like, why would they even li- like it? I don't know. Mm-hmm. At, from the perspective of... It was just, and also it was just kind of a short clip of music too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it was creepy and it kind of sounded cool, but but it wasn't like a full length song. It wasn't a full length song. It wasn't enough, at least for me. It wasn't believable for me that people would want to pay for a ticket to see a show when all they've heard is like this tiny little clip of a thing. Music by John Five, by the way. Yeah, That's a pretty John big, Five. Yeah, uh, Zombies guitarist, mm-hmm. Manson guitarist. But yeah, no, I, like I picked up on that too. Like, um, that that there's got to be more been, explanations there. I think if like, it was just if he took notes on his script, he probably could have made it more believable. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, if it was actually just blast beats and you know, heavy riffs, I think no, that just got that's the point. Not what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I mean. A longer, creepier song that wasn't yeah, just... a song that had a bit more of a melody of, or, like, yeah. a beginning, middle, and end. Like mm-hmm. a, a true song. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah if it I had more like... depth and substance, I think, it, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Like a ghost song or something like that. Like I mean, it did the trick. It, it, we, 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 it moved the plot along. I, I get that. Yeah, it's definitely it like a better. creepy tune. Yeah. Why else would you... See, but the thing is, too, and that's what also caught my attention was why else would you incorporate the music aspect of it if you weren't trying to get the, if there wasn't some kind of message of, hey, music's always been blamed for this. And that's probably just me as a big music fan, but Mm -hmm. why else would you put this music in this, you know, movie like this? And it's such a big part of it. And it's actually Mm -hmm. like calling the masses. Like, that's how everybody gets to the point at the end where they're all in this, you know, theater and waiting for whatever's gonna happen whatever you want to call it whether it was the birth of the antichrist like or whatever, whatever did happen yeah whatever happened was it just a new demon what the uh oh yeah the, i didn't her. get the sense that it was the antichrist or, or maybe it was meant to be but i just was like oh they she just birthed a new demon and these witches are like really like pumped that they were part of that yeah see i i took that she birthed the antichrist so now she's like a virgin mary in hell kind of thing like she's like an evil like the Dark Mary or something. Yeah, some I, shit. I thought about that too. Yeah. Of all the demons, why that one to 
Sire the Antichrist. Yeah, you're and, like, at least give me one that like looks like Idris Alba. I don't want a turkey. Like, I don't want a turkey impregnating me. <laughs> <laughs> I expected, like, something big and menacing and scary, but no. Like that Bigfoot one. It was like a, that baby that's like a little... It was like a shrimp. Like a... I thought it was a lobster. Yeah. yeah. I just thought it was a lobster. Lobster demon. Yeah. But the other thing, too, I, I guess we should all take into account was maybe this was just her way out of getting away from uh, Whitey and she didn't really love him, too. She faked her own death. She faked she her own death to get away, Holy man. Shit. Uh, or was just she kidding. just schizophrenic? That little lobster thing <laughs> fucking killed Kennedy. And you can trace it all the way back to 62. Yeah, that's a. Uh, that ending, we could just go run laps around us especially just with that hard-hitting dialogue of bye it just leaves yeah. it <laughs> yeah it just leaves so much interpretation well, and then he's like he slow motions it while the fucking door is swinging closed i'm like you couldn't just walk around to the fucking front could he like... at least just said hey why yeah. where, you know like where are you going or he could have just reached out his arm and or open the door kept her from closing the door well i i assumed that when she closed that door it locked and that they and the witches had locked it down, so once all the women were in, no one else could get in. Mm-hmm. That you was know, my assumption as a viewer, but I don't know. you know, it's if he really loved her, he would have been in attendance for the birth of the child. You'd think that's like, come on, you know dude. what I mean? Who the fuck you know? are you? Yeah, like be a man, like Bring be there for the woman you love. In here. <laughs> yeah, where was he during all this? Was he all still on the roof? I don't know. Yeah. And why were the crosses like straight up? Like, that was a good. I thought that was a good point when you pointed that out. It's like, yeah. And then the Jesus. Or is that saves, all just like bullshit? Kind the of thing? Jesus like, saves uh, sign. See, that, I went what to was Slayer that? when I saw that. So I was like, oh, all yeah. I kept thinking was that the Slayer shows. Uh-huh. That's all I kept thinking about. But yeah, I for the most part I dug it. I thought there were some loopholes. I thought there could have been some more depth to the characters and some more substance to the storyline. But overall. I think it's an enjoyable horror slash thriller movie, and I think anybody that likes Rob Zombie movies will probably love it. Interesting. Katie, final thoughts? I was entertained for sure. And I actually liked it because I walked in, you guys were watching it, um, and I had already watched it earlier today, so I kind of caught the back half of the movie a second mm-hmm. time. I liked it better the second time. But I also like to know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, and i like to watch for all the little things that i didn't pick up the first time Mm -hmm. now like because i think when you watch it a second time josh maybe if you ever watch it again you should let us know um but when you watch it a second time you really pick up a lot of the foreshadowing a lot of the dialogue especially from the older witches Mm -hmm. starts to make sense um and yeah, I just have a, a different appreciation for it after seeing it, seeing it the second time. But anyway, um, yeah, I'd watch it again. I'd recommend it. All right. So during this section, we always bring up reviews, some negative. Uh, I think we're going to cover one positive as well. But the first one here, Ian Buckwalter from The Atlantic. It's a credit to Zombie's interest in growing as an artist that he's drawing from more mature inspirations here. But it's also part of why the movie doesn't work. So I think we all like, I think we agreed there. It's like, uh, you know, the fact that he's getting into the Polanski, like all that stuff, like now Stanley Kubrick, that kind of stuff. It is cool that he's like branching out in this movie clearly, but I think we talked about how he missed some stuff too, like character development. He's fallen on some of his past mistakes. Right. 
Let's see. Here we got one more negative one. Oh, there's a lot of negative ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would say, yeah. It's got 46%. I wanted to like this movie. I really did. But I left the theater feeling like Rob Zombie kind of dropped the ball with this one. Do I think he has talent? Yes. But at the end of the day, he has failed to learn from his past mistakes. Travis Ybarra, 2013. (laughs) On Brothers Grimm, 5 out of 10. So obviously I feel a little bit different now. Yeah. Like I like the movie a lot more after further, um, you know, further uh, watches and stuff like that. But I saw like a lot of the, I pulled this up today and I saw like a lot of the same, um, like I said earlier, a lot of the same, the problems that I had with it was like the cohesion of the movie and stuff like that. Uh, the plot. Like I feel like zombie went like too far in some of the shit. Yeah, for sure. That he tried to do. Um, it was, the, more, it was more to be shocking than it was to add to the story, right? Yeah. Specifically, yeah. the baby scene. What the, what like substance mass- did that have yeah. to the well, movie? They were showing these witches failing yeah. to do what they intended to do. Mm-hmm. And that's why they had to try again with her right they had yeah. to show that they that they had were disgusted trying, by it maybe that's a good that point, they were yeah. trying to do this before they were yeah i just burned. hate yeah i just hate when and so they came back to finish unfinished yeah. business right? yeah i just hate that you know i hate stuff that's just done for the purpose of being shocking and i guess maybe that's like when you say things went too far for no reason like i i don't know i think it made you hate them See, I like think the there was part... kind of a point in that, like, because witches are kind of cool. Like, I would have been down for those witches if yeah. they didn't. Like, if they were riding around on broomsticks and stuff. They... Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> if they didn't do that to the baby, like, mm-hmm. I, I would have been like, oh, these witches are fucking rad. They're look at them. They're gonna mm-hmm. <laughs> summon demons. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. But that's a good point. But they're doing really horrible things mm-hmm. to other human beings, like but... in little baby, little innocent babies. Yeah. Another thing that I thought was kind of just done just to be shocking was the <laughs> when they continuously beat that guy over the head with the frying pan mm-hmm. i was like what a couple times is probably enough they you know showed what him I mean? gurgling like a yeah, couple times I, I mean, in between take, yeah like and the, i know that's swings. that's standard horror movie stuff to quote scream but i don't know i just i think things should be done for the purpose of adding reason i guess is if that makes sense i probably could have phrased that better but without reason like what's the point in doing some stuff like there's certain movies where mm-hmm. like in horror movie like the opening of scream where drew barrymore uh-huh. is in the front yard and just like how many times does she get stabbed in the front yard mm-hmm. well and she's like a big star at that point and stuff yeah and that and just shows you that there's this you know rabid killer on the loose and that's coming after everybody i guess so like that kind of stuff adds to it and that's but that's just kind of west craven being west craven right i think the part that like uh i felt like okay like this is getting a little like too much kind of like too much is when like it shows the priests like uh yeah. whacking off like those dildos or I don't yeah know if it was actually yeah i was like or, this is that made like, no okay. sense. this is gratuitous move yeah. on that's and another she's, good like point. riding a goat 
like in I was like okay do we like it's cool imagery but it's like do we need any of this well then that was the other thing too where the metal musician was like licking her face yeah I was like and I was like what yeah where does this come from (laughs) like come back it was just done to be like weird and shocking and that's what I'm talking about like there was just some stuff in that movie and I'm glad you brought that up that review because that actually was a good point too so I guess we all hate it now. Those were two negative ones. Mm -hmm. Did you have a good one? So the Roger Deber one, he gave it a three out of four, which I I was like actually surprised I came across this. He says, A maddeningly vague sense of dread presides over the Lords of Salem. Heavy metal rocker turned filmmaker Rob Zombie's latest movie. It's the first film Zombie has made with total creative control, a tantalizing prospect after the Weinstein brothers drastically re-edited both of his Halloweens. The Lords of Salem is a genuinely nasty and disturbing piece of work, but its cumulative nerve-shredding effect is not just the product of effective direction. Sherry Moon Zombie delivers her best serious dramatic performance yet. Character actors Davidson, Ken Foray, and Jeff Daniel Phillips, who is uh, who plays Whitey, also make it easy for viewers to hope for the best while praying for the worst to happen to their impotent, inconsiderate characters. So I thought that was kind of fair. I knew it was her best performance. That's a good call. <laughs> I'm just That's kidding. a good call. She I still lo- think she's someone like a <laughs> And see, like, it would be interesting, Katie, to uh, have you watch, like, Devil's Rejects and stuff, because she's, like, way through the roof over the top in that movie, which a lot of people think it works. Like, it works, I think. Like, she's a pretty good baby. Is it like, meant it, to, like, kind of put you... She's always like, <laughs> like, she has this, like, creepy laugh and shit. She's like a psycho. Say, a lot of people say it's cringy, but... I mean, she's psychotic. But she's bad in Halloween, though. So it's kind of meant to put you off balance. Yeah, she's okay. she plays like a character named Baby. She's like the little do- the little sister to like these other psychos, uh, mm-hmm. Sid Haig and um, Bill Mosley. But <clears throat> yeah, like I thought she was pretty bad in Halloween, though. Like as Myers' mom and stuff. But I think that's a pretty fair point. I thought she was pretty solid in this. Does she have dreads in that movie too? Uh, no, but she is dirty and shit. <laughs> the dreads are cool. That's the that's something that fucking I, bugs me. I disagree. <laughs> Josh thought the dreads were hot. He was like, I don't know, man. She might be hotter in this movie than she is in the other one. I was like, really? We're not talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> we're not grading women. <laughs> Whoa. New segment alert. So this is a quick segment that I kind of wanted to uh, start adding to most of the episodes because we, as we, uh, as horror fans and, you know, film fans in general, TV fans, we check stuff out week to week. And um, so this is going to be like a, what have we been watching recently or whatever. So this week, uh, Rose and I actually went to a screening of The Turning. Um, It is a young governess is hired by a man who has become responsible for his young nephew and niece after their parents' deaths, a modern take on Henry James' novella, The Turn of the Screw, uh, directed by Floria Sigmani and uh, starring Mackenzie Davis and Finn Wolfhard. Uh, Those are just like the two uh, top build. So, Rose, we weren't really, uh, not to get into spoilers or nothing, but I just want to give like our general take on the movie. Um, I can start. Uh, I did I didn't think it was like, um, it wasn't like that terrible, but I, I thought the way I looked at it is like an early 2000s, like haunting movie, whereas like the ghost looked really cheesy. And this is something that we talked about, like, uh, coming out of the theater was that the ghost like reminded me of scary movie 2's ghost, which is like a very, very bad thing in your horror movie. Like if you're trying to, 
and one of the things that you commented on was that uh, Mackenzie Davis was like legit good, like the acting was good, but I'll let you talk on that a little bit. I thought the acting was really good. The story didn't quite capture me. I didn't get scared, and mm-hmm. I I do get freaked out by that type of creepy, ghosty, whatever vibe from horror movies sometimes, but I it was a lot of cheap jump scares to me. Mm-hmm. Some of them were good. Some of them were super expected. Mm-hmm. Still, I say the acting was very good. We can talk about it at a future date when more people have seen it, or if you guys want to chime in on social media, I can um, give you my take on it. Once you've seen it, I don't want to spoil it right. here, but I think that it could have gone a different way that would have scared me more. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's a decent watch. I personally afterward was like you know i'm a movie person that goes and i get popcorn and treats and drinks and so it's right. kind of an, a whole experience it's for an me 80 at the dollar movie. ordeal when rose goes to the movies oh hush <laughs> um but it is a whole experience for me mm-hmm. would i do that whole experience just for this movie no, no i would I probably rent it when yeah, it I, came I out i couldn't recommend I, me in good, in good faith could not recommend, uh, going to, and paying, like, you know, uh, the, like you said, the full theater experience for this movie. Like, I just don't think, I I would catch it on VOD or when it becomes available for streaming or renting or, you know, whatever. I just didn't think it added a lot to that genre, like for me. And I can't talk about. kind of a fun watch, but I'd give it like three out of five stars. And I can't talk on the, uh, like the novella, the Turner Screw, I haven't read it, but. Like, so I can't really comment there, but it just wasn't, it just wasn't strong for me in the age of like the conjuring and all that other stuff. We've seen better stuff, but you guys have watched a movie and I'll let you guys intro that. So recently Katie and I watched, um, the 2017 movie revenge. It's actually a French film, but it's in both French and English, mainly English. Um, and the synopsis is the story sees Three wealthy middle-aged CEOs, all married family men, get together for their annual hunting game in a desert canyon. It's a way for them to let off steam and affirm their manhood with guns. But this time, one of them has come along with his young mistress, who quickly arouses the interests of the two others. Things get out of hand, and she is left for dead in the middle of this arid hell. However, the young woman is very much alive, and the hunting game turns into a ruthless manhunt. Mm. So Kate and I, one night, we were like, we hate men, randomly. (laughs) Let's watch a hate, you know, let's watch this badass girl kill these fucking dudes. Mm -hmm. So, and we had watched the trailer on Shudder. It's available Mm. on Shudder. So that's not spoiling anything if you've watched the trailer. No, if you've watched the trailer. Um, So we were just in the mood to watch it, and I was pretty damn impressed with it katie multiple times was like wow this is really well filmed the colors are great it's just visually stimulating and beautiful to watch and yeah it does this thing with 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 like these super close-up shots of things i don't like you just really kind of have to see it and i think Mm -hmm. like really close-up shots really intense like sound during those shots like you're hearing every little thing um there's like a scene with a fly i think i don't know but i feel like they cut those in a really cool way i think it looks really cool if you're really in the mood for like it's literally called revenge a woman's revenge on men who have wronged her that is the whole premise of the movie Mm -hmm. um it's a really fun really fun one for sure i think there are some 
<clears throat> and it's bloody. It's real mm-hmm. bloody. There are some moments where you have to suspend disbelief, but that's, I think, most horror movies. Nah. You know. A lot of them. Yeah. yeah. You know. But ultimately, you can get over that. Mm-hmm. And it's really exciting and fun to watch. Anything else you guys are watching? I know horror, you were, horror or not you want to mention? I know you guys were getting into like Criminal Minds and stuff. Oh, yeah. I've been binge watching on um, Netflix Criminal mm-hmm. Minds. Uh, I'm seeing killers everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Which is horror adjacent. I mean, that's a, that's a horror show. True story, though. My Our mom, Kate and I's mom, has always been a Criminal Minds fan. She's watched mm-hmm. it since its inception. And I would catch episodes with her. Like, when I was in college and high school, I would watch with her and i swear that show would give me nightmares i had to quit watching it sometimes because i legit would have nightmares Mm -hmm. it's not even that scary of a show Mm -hmm. it's just it gets into your mind it literally like real life shit yeah Yeah. like the id channel and shit i watch a lot of id channel that's what i've been watching like (laughs) the killer beside me and like uh, deadly wives and all this other shit yeah Yeah. my (laughs) favorite one of those type of shows is what cold case files yeah cold case because i I like that you get to see the story come full circle. It's about cold cases that actually the 1% of them that do get solved. Even if it's 30-something years later, you actually get to see justice served. Yeah, so. for sure. Oh, no. We might have to stop before we turn into a true yeah. crime podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah. So we wanted to do that kind of week to week. Uh, we all watch all, all kinds of shit. So, yeah, that was the that was the inaugural or first edition of that uh, segment. So. All right. The unnamed, yeah, this is what we're talking about segment. Yeah. What are we watching? <laughs> yeah, what are we watching? Okay, guys. We'll catch you in the next episode. Bye. <laughs> but anyway, to close us out here, um, you can always find us, or you can email us, take me to task, what have you, at uh, my Gmail account, horrifyingmyfriends at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at horrifyingmyfriends, Twitter, horrifyingmf. Uh, and Facebook, you can view the page through the first personal Facebook page. Uh, and we are on SoundCloud at Horrifying My Friends. Uh, but that'll be all this week. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah.